everybody. My name is Christian Nachtrieb, and I'm the founder of University of Wedding Filmmakers and co-founder of Brighter Lights Media, a Boston-based wedding cinematography studio. And you're listening to the UWF Podcast, a show centered around the business of live event and wedding cinematography. Today on the show is Leah Haydock of Leah Haydock Photography, where we have an open discussion talking about the relationship between photographer and videographer on the day of the wedding. I know most video people like a mic stand because people stand still and, you know, it's it, yeah. they, they're in one place and it's probably better audio. I, I like it too just because, you know, I'm going to ideally put the microphone stand in somewhere which is going to have nice ambient light behind them. Leah Haydock has been in the wedding industry for nearly 10 years and is easily regarded as one of the best, most successful and well-recognized photographers in our area and beyond. Leah's work has been featured in countless wedding blogs, magazines, trade publications, and was named one of Brand Smash's top 100 wedding photographers in the U.S. in 2015. In 2013, she was chosen for Junebug's World's Best Wedding Photography. On top of all that, Leah has done her fair share of speaking engagements, most recently at the Inspire Photo Seminar. She's admired and respected by many, myself included, and she had a lot of great things to share about her experience working with videographers in the past. She's also very keen on the things that photographers can do to help make our lives easier, which is what makes this interview so great, is that there's solutions for both sides, and I think everyone can learn at least a little something from this interview. Hi there, Leah. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, so we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about. Um, we are going to spend a great deal talking about the um, co-collaboration between us videographers and photographers on the day of the wedding. But before we get to that, I just want people to learn a little bit more about you. Um, so could you tell us how long have you been a wedding photographer? Yeah, I um, I think next year is going to be my 10th year, which is kind of crazy. Huh. Um, and I shoot weddings all over New England, um, usually sort of 20 to 25 weddings a year. Um, yep. And what were you doing before that? Uh, I was a director of marketing at a medical device company. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, my background's in pharmacology and genetics, which is not super helpful to the world of uh, <laughs> wedding photography. But um, yeah, I was, I was in the corporate world for years and then um, kind of, you know, transitioned over, did, did it part time for a while and then and then gave up my day job. Um, and Congrats. now, yeah, full time. Very good. And how would you describe your particular shooting style if you could verbalize it in some way? Um, okay. So I always say to couples, like on the wedding day, I'm as unobtrusive as possible, um, except during the family formals when I make them as quick and painless as possible. Um, and generally though, I just, I want to make all of my couples look the best that they've ever looked. Um, I want them to look incredibly happy and love. And so when their friends and family see the pictures, they're like, oh my God, that's such a great picture of you guys. And it's so you. So that's kind of my, my general thing. Gotcha. Now, what roughly, what percentage would you say the weddings that you work, do you see a videographer there? Yeah, I was, tr I was trying to think about this on the, on the drive down. I would say fairly high, um, probably 70 to 80% of the weddings I do have, have video there. It's quite unusual when we don't have video. Interesting. I've talked to, I've, I've heard both answers you know I've heard some as low as 25% I wonder if it has something to do with the the price bracket that you're in because more people I suppose if they have more money then they're more willing to invest in in different or uh, more vendors yeah I, th I think I think that's like definitely part of it so I mean the the weddings I tend to do they're you know really nice weddings they're very sort of thoughtful weddings in nice venues you know like the Taj the Fairmont Copley the 
you know the big wedding venues in Boston and the North Shore um, and so yeah I think the you know the budgets are at the point where it's feasible to have a good photography and a good videography team um, I also think though like during the kind of consultation part with the couples like mm. I'll ask them you know hey what are you thinking about video like on the fence definitely doing it definitely not doing it and and if they're on the fence I'll encourage them to do it um, so I think that probably plays a role in it good good well, that is helpful. So we thank you for that. <laughs> I try. Um, yeah. So let's not hold anything back here. So explain your theory on why you think there's a disconnect between how filmmakers and photographers work. I know sometimes we're in each other's hair and there's there's often issues like after the fact, you know, so what's your theory on why that might be? So I, I think some of it's stereotypical. I think there's this, you're almost supposed to not like each other. Um, you know, like we've all seen those... Um, it was like that YouTube video of like the photographers like the and the video. Yeah, like the right. battle and they're like hitting each other with <laughs> monopods and stuff. Um, so I think I think like there's this sort of stereotypical um, feeling that photo and video don't get along. I, I think I think what tends to happen is when you start out as a photographer, you generally are photographing low budget weddings because you're competing on price. That's like all you've got to offer because you've never photographed a wedding before and you're just like anyone will take me. And so those weddings, they're, you know, maybe you're charging 500, 1,000 bucks, like really kind of low cost weddings and the, there's no video budget. So probably the, you know, the first year, most photographers are shooting alone. So there's no, there's no videographers at the wedding. And then you start like you improve, you like you increase your prices and you start photographing weddings with maybe a slightly higher budget. And maybe you're now charging like two grand for pho photography mm. and maybe they find, you know, 500 in the budget to get like video and it's yes. like some guy on Craigslist or, mm. you know, it's a student or something. And so now suddenly you've gone from shooting on your own for a whole year or, or so and, you, you know, you're doing your own thing and suddenly you have someone there who, you know, is also trying to get time with the couple who's also trying to get like certain angles. And I think, you know, at that kind of price point, sometimes the two of you are kind of struggling to get along and you know yeah. like you're just maybe you're new to weddings so there's just like not that understanding of certain things that you do and don't do so I think that's kind of where it starts and then I think some photographers are maybe just you know kind of more selfish and they'll say to the couples well you know you might not want video it might interfere with you with your hmm. photography so I think you know it's just for a number of reasons um, but I, I don't think it has to be the case right and from my perspective, when it comes to the video guys that start out, a lot of it, I feel like are kids or younger, younger adults who get into it sort of for the wrong reasons. They get into it more because they see the flexibility and creativity that can be there. And so they're more concerned with the shot, getting a cool shot or getting like the newest toy. And they don't really take into account um, the content that's happening and where they are. And so they sort of lose that. And I think those initial first impressions just, they clash. Yeah. And, and I mean, that can, that can be the case for photographers as well, who like, maybe they, you know, desperately want to be like a real photojournalist, like a newspaper, but they realize that's not going to pay the bills. So they get into weddings and, but they maybe don't have any love for weddings. They're just like, Hey, this is how I can make money. Um, and I think that can happen for both photo and video. And, and then that's where you say like, you know, maybe you're in the middle of a religious ceremony and someone jumps across the altar to get like you know the killer shot yeah. and it's like no it's just <laughs> that's not how it works exactly so what is a good way to make a good first impression uh, with a photographer that you know you've never worked with 
and I should should clarify for a videographer to um, make a good impression with a photographer they never worked with. Um, the reason being because it's someone that you spend the entire day with a and b. It's someone that you know if you impress or you do uh, work together well with, it could be a source of referrals like in the future. So you know, what's what do you think? What are some good things you can do to offer a good first impression? Yeah, I think. I mean, I also think this. It shouldn't. The onus shouldn't just be on the video person to make the good first impression with the photographer. Like I think mm-hmm. it's you know photographers also have to take some responsibility in you know reaching out to to make those connections too. Um, I think a good first impression, you know, a quick introductory email or even a quick phone call, like hey, we're going to be working together. Really excited to work with you. Like let's make this as easy and quick and painless as possible. You know, I I tend to do the same if it's someone I haven't worked with before I'll usually shoot them a quick email like hey we're going to be working together if I'm in your way like feel free to you know give me a little tap on the shoulder or like let's you know let's remember that we have the same client mm. in common mm-hmm. um, and let's try and make it as as easy as possible on each other um, I think you know just like other first like good impressions when you arrive at the venue you know we usually kind of I feel like photo and video arrive around the same time mm-hmm just taking the time to like before you even start working to like have a little kind of five minute debrief like Mm. hey you know I might you know during the ceremony maybe I'm going to stand here or let's scope out a location for the first look together just kind of taking that like hey we're in it together approach how about just a quick follow-up what's a good time frame before the wedding to shoot an email because I know if it's like the day before you're probably driving or there's some hectic stuff going on what's a good time to shoot an email I'd say I'd say one to two weeks before like you don't you don't want to do it like like you said, like the day before, because you've got, you know, you're charging everything, you're freaking out, maybe you're traveling. Um, but, you know, like a week or two and just saying like, hey, you know, if you want to chat on the phone or or whatever. Um, yeah, I think a week or two is a good good timeline. Good to know. So from your perspective as a photographer, um, what are some things that will cause um, added stress to you um, from a videographer? And what I'm really asking is what are some parts of the day that, you know, we may not take into account that might be added stress for you and where and how can we help that? Um, so where's, where are some of these areas that are, that are, you know, maybe unintentionally causing you some headaches? I think, um, probably the, the number one thing that springs to mind is during the family formals. So I think for the, for the majority of the wedding day, photo and video have to work kind of side by side hand in hand because we've both got to kind of capture the day as it happens um the family formals is that one time where it's all about getting those pictures for the mantle um and you know we've maybe got a list from the couple and we have like a limited time and you just want to get those done as quickly and painlessly as possible but also make you know really nice family pictures that are going to live on the wall for years um and I think I've not very often but like occasionally had a videographer who's you know being like jumping around or trying to get some cool stuff like in between shots and it's throwing you off or it's making it's making the family members look in the wrong direction and and like you know I think everything else that happens on the day of course you want video of it but having video of people standing in a line like posing for their formals I I, I don't you know see a huge value in that doesn't really but. add a whole lot to the story yeah yeah so um you know I think that's one time where if you can kind of take like that's the only time that I think video kind of should take a back seat just because you have a specific list of formal pictures that you have to take in a limited time. Yeah, for us, we use that time. Usually we'll have either our second shooter or an assistant just kind of 
behind you or off to the side, just tripod shots just for coverage. And then we'll spend that time either getting audio ready or getting cocktail hour or um, detail shots or B-roll of the venue, whatever it is. But generally it's, you know, we're working very little during that time, whereas your, you know, your skills are tipped the other way. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. So is there a part aside from that where there might be another tricky part of the day um, where working together can have sort of a mutual benefit? I think, um, I think family formals aside, you know, just anything that you can do that involves kind of communication and, and beyond communication, even collaboration throughout the day. And this is not, again, not just for video, like photography as well. I think, um, giving each other like a heads up on any kind of lighting that you might be using. So, um, you know, I've, I've had times when like maybe, I don't know, maybe we're setting up for the entrances. So, the, you know, the guests are seated, the bride and groom are about to come in and you've got like, for photography, we've got our lights set up, we've got everything kind of ready to go, we've got our settings dialed in and the doors open and suddenly the videographer will like throw on like one of those LED light panels and you're yeah. like, whoa, like wasn't expecting that. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, if, if you know it's going to be there ahead of time or like if the videographer just says like, hey, I'm going to put a light on, do you want to see it? Like that that like just makes a huge difference because then there's no surprises sure um you know and the same the same for photo like if we're gonna you know do something that might throw throw you off I think we should just like hey heads up I'm gonna do this the your reception photos are some of the most beautiful I've seen they're always like well placed <laughs> and backlit perfect and then the front is nice and soft it's it, so I could see how you know some unknown light source could could screw you up so yeah, that's but, good to I mean, know well thank you but I mean that's that's like usually when I like when I'm working with videographers which is a lot of the time you know I'll, I'll say to them hey you're gonna have like one of those little led panel things um, i god knows what the correct terminology is i'm yeah, <laughs> LEDs. yeah so um but you know in that case i'll say like hey you're gonna put one of those up and then if i know where you're gonna put yours up i'll move my flashes accordingly because i don't want you know i don't want to mess up your shots with like crazy flash blowing off all the time so um you know just like little things like that kind of finding out ahead of time where you're going to do things or what you're going to do um, I think can can really help. Um, I know, like conversely, from a sort of what do how could photographers help video? Mm. Um, I know one thing I learned from a videographer a while ago was um, like say say during the getting ready, you know, oftentimes the couple will maybe exchange gifts right. um, or letters, and I know you know some couples they're comfortable reading them out and that will be recorded, and. Um, you know, in, in the past, probably when I was like a bit oblivious to the needs of video, you know, I'd be like on the shutter and, you, you know, and it's like someone's just reading a letter. Like you get a few pictures of that. You don't need like 100 pictures of it. And so, sure. you know, one of the things I've changed over the years now, if, if I know that that's being recorded for the wedding film, I'm going to, you know, obviously if a tear comes down, I'm going to make sure I get a picture of that. But I'm going to just like take a couple of pictures and then really try and just be quiet so that they're going to get like better audio for the film. True. Very thoughtful of you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's definitely been in a room where it, it doesn't, it seems like machine gun fire. Yeah. Um, and it gets a little bit hard to filter yeah. that out. I mean, I, you know, and, and again, when I've got video there, especially for getting ready, like, and, and this is going to vary by like photographer and how they, the shooting style and the lighting, but generally, except for the reception, like I'll try and avoid flash as much as possible because I think when you're getting ready, you can always find like nice light from a window mm. or something. Um, and and I know that like if the flash is going off, then that's going to kind of really you know mess up the the film. Sure. So. Um, so 
I did put out a little call on Facebook for some questions uh, from some user or viewer questions, actually listener questions. Um, so here's one from Rich. The scenario is the bride and groom have carved out an hour for photos during cocktail hour. And it sounds like what he's asking is if the videographer has beforehand perhaps reserved 10 minutes or so um, to get some pictures for or to get some shots for his film. How do you handle managing that time so that both the photo and the video can be sure to get the, the moments that they all need? Um, I think in that in that situation, I mean, you have to you have to have kind of clear expectations set with the couple. So to me, everything comes back to the couple because they're our like mutual client. So like if, if you've got photo and video, we we have to always remember that we're working for the you know we're the same boss for the day essentially. And so you don't want to have better photos at the expense of the film and you don't want to have better film at the expense of the photos so in in that situation you know i'd probably look at the list of family for like i'm assuming if we do if we've got an hour during cocktail hour we've probably got to do the family formals the wedding party and then you know pictures of the couple together um i so my first thing is like the family formals are you know kind of necessary evil um you know i mean we all you know they they're so valuable in 50 years time but yeah, yeah they're kind of painful for, to do um right. explain real quickly why they're so hard because i never knew this unless you know until i heard it from you is why is that why is that such so troublesome from initially my thought was that okay everyone's kind of standing still and you just kind of have everyone file through explain why it's it's kind of a pain in the butt so so i mean it's not, i actually kind of bizarrely i really enjoy taking family <laughs> formals but they they're just you have to kind of so you, you have to have an order in which you're grouping people because you want to build your groups thoughtfully um you know you want to make sure that if mom and dad are still together like you've got them in the right order if mom and dad are separated you don't have them like cozying up to each other so there's like and sometimes there can be an element of family dynamics each family group takes around two minutes um you know some photographers will allow three or four minutes but um for me two minutes is the is the time so to, you have to call the names you have to gather them together you know mom has to adjust her her shawl like dad has to remember to fasten his jacket buttons you know someone's forgotten their bouquet and so you it's like two minutes per group and then once you've got them in the group you've got to kind of get like an expression out of them because most people like they're standing in a line they've got like the the blank or like the, the grimace um, and so that's the time when you know I'm as, as unobtrusive as possible at weddings but during family formals that's where I'll say like whatever I need to just to get like a real smile and so you you've got this list that the couple have given you maybe like the moms of the bride or the, like, mm -hmm. the mom of the groom have like had some input in that and you've got to get through those pictures because if you don't you know that the the couple are going to come back to you and say why why isn't there a picture with my you know, my great aunt and my great uncle, yeah. you know, this was on my list. So you've got this list that you have to work through in a certain order. You've got to make sure everyone's got a great expression. And, and it's the, the, the kind of crunch time when you have to make it happen. Otherwise, you know, there's going to be huge repercussions. You're also balancing the fact that you then need, you know, you need to get pictures of the wedding party with the couple and the couple alone. So in that situation, like if if the list of family groups was reasonable, like maybe like 15 groups, you know, I know I know I can bang through that in like, you know, less probably 20, 30 minutes, yeah. um, which leaves 20, 30 minutes for wedding party and, and pictures of the couple. And that's where I think if you talked with the videographer in advance, um, you can probably use that time together. So rather than video have the couple for 10 minutes and photo have the couple for 10 minutes, mm -hmm. I don't see why you can't kind of combine that time so yeah of course there's going to be a couple of pictures where the couple are standing still stationary so we get that shot that goes on the mantle but then you know if if 
if, just by talking, you know, I've worked with videographers and I'll say like, hey, if we ask them to walk down that path and then when they get to the end of the path, like maybe we tell them to have like a little hug and a cuddle and then walk back, then we can both like feed off that, totally. that time. Um, you know, I know some videographers want specific time on their own and mm. I think that's, you know, that's maybe where the, the crunch happens. And photographers can also be selfish and, you know, say no, I, like this is what I'm right. doing. And I think it's just, you just have to remember that the couple want photo and video, so you have to make it happen. Yeah, I definitely think that having the alone time can just maybe even it might even add time you know because you're maybe taking them from another place and you have to go find the photographer and all this stuff so I think working together on that part is definitely key a and then b understand how you know stressful those formals are for a photographer so step back on that you know find find time doing something else and then that way they'll be able to get through that faster and then you have that portrait time um more available and more accessible to you um, so let's do one more Facebook question. Um, this one has to do, we already talked a little bit about audio. Um, this question is from Nick. He's asking about audio during the first look. So he's wondering, um, how, how do you get the photographer to not talk during the first look? Meaning I'm assuming he's talking about right after they see each other and maybe he's got the groom mic and maybe the photographer gives like a direction or something and he maybe just wants a couple seconds beforehand. I'm sure this comes down to communication, but yeah, I mean, in, in that case, I think you just ask for what you need. And if you explain why, then it would have to be a pretty mean photographer who would, you know, deliberately talk. Like if you if you ask them to be quiet and then they deliberately talk, like that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty crap. Um, but I mean, whenever, whenever I'm like probably, probably 70% of my couples choose to do a first look because they really want to enjoy cocktail hour with their friends and family versus standing in a line for pictures. So um for most of those weddings, when I arrive for getting ready, I'll usually find the lead videographer and say like, hey, do you have a couple of seconds? Like, let's go outside. Let's pick a location together um, that will work in terms of lighting and, you know, like where we're going to stand. And then we'll even come up with like, hey, you know, if so if if, you know, the couple are if they meet in this location for the first look, how about if we all stand on this side, then we won't be in each other's shots. And then, you know, that's the time when you know, I, I would say, hey, like, I think even just, just talking about like what's going to happen. So like for me personally, when I kind of organize a first look, I'll say to the couple, each of them separately, you know, this is the only time on the wedding day when it's just the two of you. I mean, yeah, there's, there's photo and video, but like ignore us. We're not listening to what you're saying. We're, we're concentrated on like the composition Mm -hmm. and getting the shot. So just enjoy the time together. So I, generally like let them see each other you like watch for the reactions and stuff I don't interrupt them for like a good five minutes um I'm sure there are some photographers who the minute they see each other they're like pick her up tell her she looks beautiful that might Um, be what he's referring yeah and you know in that case I think just saying like hey I'm I've mic'd up the groom can we can we like just keep it quiet for a minute (laughs) yeah there you go so communication beforehand um so what are some other areas that come up as problematic for um, photographers and videographers? Maybe we can just start sort of at the beginning of the day. Um, and these are probably a lot of these things are things that we don't realize that we're doing or that, um, you know, just we need to work on. But uh, w- let's start from from the morning. Yeah, I mean, I think um, just, const- just constant communication throughout the day is going to make everything easier. But like, yeah, if we start in the morning, you know, you've got like getting ready stuff. Um, and I think you know coming up with like a plan so that you're not in each other's shot like just just being conscious like 
you know, I've, I've worked, some of my favorite videographers, they'll be like, they'll even like show me on the back of their camera, like, hey, I'm shooting, you know, with a 70 to 200, so you can go anywhere. Like, you're not gonna be in the shot. You know, other times they're like, hey, I'm shooting wide. And then I know, okay, well, I'm not gonna like walk through the shot when the bride's like hugging her mom or something. Um, right. And I think, um, so just being aware of each other's space, um, coming up with a plan for like, you know, say, say it's a bride and groom and you're in the room while the bride's getting dressed. Like I did one wedding where there were like two really like big burly videographers and one of them was standing on the bed, like over the bride and the other one was like kind of all up in her face. Yeah. And, and you could just see she was really uncomfortable and that would, you know, that would go for photographers as well. So just being conscious of self-aware yeah you know like some that's like can be quite a vulnerable moment occasionally and so like do you really need two people in the room when you know could you can you just have one person in the room and it's just going to make it you know a little easier um i think you know being video giving photography a heads up that maybe you are going to record audio if they're exchanging gifts Mm -hmm. um so that the photographer doesn't just lay on the shutter during that time um and then, you know, so you've, you've had getting ready, like we talked about earlier, if you can do a first look, working together to come up with that location, figuring out like where you're going to stand, where your guy's going to be, where are my guy's going to be. Yeah. The key, the key there that I, I forgot to mention earlier was that you mentioned being on the same side, which is mm. great. I don't know if photographers follow the 180 rule, if that's necessary, but for video, it's super important because if, if this is your subject, you should both be on the same side because when you're cutting that video having them look screen left versus the reaction of the person looking screen right makes a difference when you're watching the video you sort of feel like a disconnect if you're standing on the opposite sides of each other so all being on the same side not only helps helps create that um or helps abide by the 180 rule but you're also not going to see any other vendors or you're not going to see each other so it, it helps on, on two levels yeah I, I haven't heard of the 180 rule like but um but i think you know i guess i'm unconsciously kind of doing that, do, doing that. Yeah. just because you don't i mean you don't want like each other in the film like I don't I don't want to be in your wedding film and I don't want you in my pictures. I certainly don't want to be in camera <laughs> um so yeah I think just you know coming up with a plan um like you mentioned the the guy who said you know he wants audio just giving the photographer a heads up hey can you be quiet um and then you know next probably it would be family formals in which case it's great if video can kind of just take a little step back Chill. and just let the photographer just get through it um I think when when you're getting footage of the couple together, again, just like working together. So um, I will usually, if it's a videographer I haven't worked with before, I'll I'll usually just say to them like, hey, do you want me to direct them? Would you like us to kind of take it in turn and like tag team? Um, everyone has a different way of working and I'm mm. pretty flexible. Um, you know, if, if they want to take it in turns, great. I think that the tough thing, I worked with one guy once who, while he was like thinking about what he was going to ask the couple to do, he would just stand like right in front of them. So, you know, then it's like, you've only got 10 minutes, like let's not block each other's shots here. Yeah, definitely have like a, this is for us guys, uh, have a a grab bag of kind of go-to ideas or go-to shots or compositions you can always go to in case you're a little bit flustered on the spot. Um, Don't take up time trying to come up with some master plan, just let it kind of come and flow naturally. Um, every every second counts. Yeah. That's, and that's the same for photographers as well. I mean, so, you know, some people will let the couple just completely do their own thing, but I think when you've got like specific time for portraits, most couples need like a little direction. Um, Mm. I've worked with, I feel like probably some photographers too, but also videographers, some of them have been like, Oh, I, you know, I want time to direct the couple. And then all they do is tell them to kiss, which like, yeah, kissing's cool, but like no one, 
people might want like one or two pictures and kissing but no one's going to blow up like a 24 by 36 print of themselves like making out and sucking face Very like true. for a photographer so you know you want like some some kissing pictures but yeah. um you know if, that, if that's like if if you're a big thing like i want to direct the couple and your only direction is okay make out mm-hmm. then that's not super helpful very good to know so moving on to the ceremony i know it there's the ceremony is a, a uh, area of contention and that's the right word yeah. <laughs> um, where videographers are often complaining that you know there's so-and-so in the shot whether it's Uncle Bob or it's a photographer but the problem is is very easy to solve is that they're shooting wide and they're not figuring out where the photographer is going to stand so either shoot tighter or have some sort of plan ahead of time so what, what's what's the solution for all this um, again like I mean it sounds like a broken record at this point but like just communication so um for for any ceremony especially when you're in a, like a church or a religious place mm-hmm. where they might have specific rules i'll usually you know find like even if it's just 60 seconds and say like hey if i am on this side for the processional and you're on that side we won't be in each other's shots during the vows we'll be on either side of the ceremony like either side of the the church but you know we won't go in front of your tripods um if you've got them on either side like just just kind of having that plan um I think can be can be huge I feel like there's like during wedding season it's probably at least once a week in the various photography groups that an angry photographer will post like a picture of you know the videographer blocking them and like ruining everything and it's like if you just have that conversation ahead of time you can kind of figure that out like um one of the the big things you know for me like if I'm photographing a ceremony either in you know, like the crane estate or just some like gorgeous outdoor setting or a really big historic church mm. nine times out of ten the couple are going to expect to see a really wide shot of the ceremony and it's really nice if that wide shot doesn't have a tripod in the middle of the aisle and so that you know i'm i'm conscious that you know you guys need your tripods because you've got to cover all the angles mm. but i've found i've had really good luck by talking to the videographer ahead of time saying hey you know maybe so you've got the processional, the bride comes up the aisle to do the little handshaking handover with the dad. Um, and then there's usually like a good 60, 90 seconds where the officiant's talking about blah, blah, blah. Thank you know, du- yeah, ch- during that time, it's really quick if we go straight back down the aisle, the tripod has moved away for like 20 seconds and I can get that wide shot and then we're done. And we don't have to worry about that like yeah. in the future. Um, and so I think just asking politely, explaining the couple want a really wide shot, um, I think is you know I haven't had a problem with it I'd say maybe there's been there's been a few videographers who are like no I cannot move my tripod yeah the, um, the reality is like we do we do need a um, a third kind of angle as the back static camera but in all honesty you know what's happening in the beginning is not as important and you should have a guy up there anyway getting either the handoff or um, you know the officiants like opening remarks anyway so the back camera in the beginning at least in the first five ten minutes in my experience is not as important um, so share the space and, yeah. and, and let them get the back, the back angle. Cause they need it for the same reasons that we do is they're trying to tell a story and they need a wide medium and a close. Yeah. So just be cognizant of that. And just, you know, just having that plan, like saying, okay, so like, you know, they'll kiss and then they'll walk back down the aisle, like have, you know, both being on the same page. Hey, if we're both at the back, we can get them coming all the way down. Whereas if you haven't talked about that and one of you decides, no, we're going to be like right up in their faces. Then the other one's like, Oh, wasn't expecting mm. that. Like uh, many years ago, I worked with um, a videographer who during the processional, so the bride and the father are coming in, 
he said to me, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to walk backwards in front of them. I'm going to be about three feet away mm. from the bride and her father. That's the cardinal um, rule you don't cause, Well, he's like, you know, this is why couples hire me. This is like my signature shot. And um, like that was that was like a really tough one. I, I said to him, but so I, I'm not going to be able to get a picture and the groom's not going to be able to see it. And you're going to like walk uh. behind them in front of the whole thing. And he's like, yeah, that's what I do. Uh, um, you know, so God. so. Like just, I think that's just how it is. Deal with it. Yeah. I mean, I think just, just always, always coming back to this is someone's wedding day and you know, we've got, we've got to get those shots and we've got to get that footage, but it's someone's wedding day and you don't want to become part of the wedding. Um, so Mm -hmm. just being aware of like how you can have the best pictures and the best film in the world, but if the experience of working with you was miserable or you were just totally obtrusive during the day, that's going to reflect on on the end product. Yeah, exactly. That's very well said. How about, I was wondering about reception stuff too. So my immediate question is obviously we're going to talk about how working together is going to help the reception, but I'm curious, one thing I'm always trying to be aware of when I'm shooting stuff is the background. So is that something you take into account? Do you prefer to see like the band as your backdrop or the crowd or the, like the, the, the uplighting or what's, what are you, how are you trying to frame things during the reception and how, um, does that affect your thinking? Yeah. So, um, I mean, entrances, they are what they are. Like the the venue picks a door and that's where they're going to (laughs) come out of. Um, but yeah, usually like when I'm setting up lights, um, in the reception area, I'll usually try and like grab the videographer and say, Hey, you know, I think this is going to be a really nice backdrop. I'm usually looking for like nice ambient light Mm. and ideally like people, um, that's sort of my preference versus say, you know, just like a blank wall or the right. bar or something. Um, the band, it's depends on the band and like how it mm. looks. Um, but I'll usually try and I, I guess now I know the term, like the 180 rule, but, um, <laughs> you know, like I'll usually say, Hey, if, if we all stay on this side, would that, would that work? Totally. Um, and then that tends to work better because there's nothing worse than you've got this amazing shot and you, but you're like, directly across from each other and then you're in all you know in all the pictures and the footage um i think going back to that whole like no surprises so if you're gonna put lights on like check in with each other like hey i'm gonna put this light on does that work for you um and then like i i'm i'm a big fan of the microphone stand like for toasts yeah i know like i know um I know most video people like a mic stand because people stand still and, you know, it's it, yeah. they, they're in one place. and It's probably better audio. <laughs> I, I like it, too, just because, you know, I'm going to ideally put the microphone stand in somewhere which is going to have nice ambient light behind them. Sure. Um, so that's kind of my my preference. I mean, I talk with all my couples and I'll even sit, I don't, uh, venues have this thing where they always want to put the couple like in the corner or against some blank wall. Yeah. And I'll often say, you know, hey, it's really great if you've got depth behind you or you've got people behind you. Um, yeah, we, we've run into that too. And I think having both the photo and, and video team approach them together as opposed to just the one, it might yeah. have more, um, you know, more more effect. So that's good to know. Yeah. Um, I think like, and and so, I mean, then, you know, that's kind of towards the end of the day, like usually um, a lot of my couples, um, they'll want like nighttime shots. It's something I usually do. So they, you know, they kind of almost expect them now. Um, And I'll I'll always kind of give video a heads up, like, hey, I'm going to take the couple outside. I want to minimize that time as much as possible because I don't want to take them away from the party to, you know, I don't want to have them outside for 30 minutes to get some killer shot. Like I want this to be three minutes and back in. Mm. Um, and so again, this is going to depend on the photographer. Like some people are going to prefer to use flash, which isn't going to work for video, but I 
like I personally, I use video lights for nighttime stuff just because, yeah, yeah, I mean, I can see, A, I can see exactly what I'm getting and I can literally have my assistant hold the video lights and, you know, I I don't have to like, oh, I need to move the flash. I need to change the power. I can just see what I'm getting. And so like I can do my nighttime stuff in like, two to three minutes and also a video there I'll say hey I'm gonna this is my video light is that gonna work for you yeah. um and it you know it works Usually really well <laughs> we just we're outside for two three minutes and we get good stuff I know that ice light has gotten very popular amongst um photographers yeah. you know constantly you're not a big fan it's, of it I, I had an ice light I, I like it I am um, I'm obsessed with the Lowell GL1 light okay. it's um it looks like it looks like an electrical drill it's like 600 bucks it's great and um huh. it's it's uh basically a zoomable dimmable giant video light oh, um, okay. and you can get re- like really nice stuff like backlight them or you know forward light them huh. well i'll have to put a link to that in the uh, yeah. in the show notes in case anybody wanted to check that out um the one thing i was going to say about the the toasts and the reception in general is that we've been finding we've been having good success in actually lowering the height of our tripods during things like that yeah. so the effect is that you're looking up at them just ever so slightly not enough where it's too noticeable but essentially what i'm able to do is minimize any background distractions and if there is uplighting it's a nice like purple background or something yeah. or whatever it might be so that way we're not seeing each other or you know, catering um, employees just kind of standing around or photographers or whatever. So kind of having more of an upward angle has helped a lot in minimizing distraction. So that's just a piece of advice I wanted to throw yeah, out there. I, d- I mean, I, I, A, for the same reason because of the background, but um, B, I, again, going back to like an obtrusive thing, I'm usually crouched down for toasts just because I don't want to be part, like I don't want everyone looking at me because right. I'm like wandering around. So, um, <laughs> You know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, I found them on eBay, like these wrestling knee pads. They're like really thin knee pads and I put them put them under my yes. dress. Um, because like for stone churches, you know, for the processional recessional, I'm usually kneeling. Those stone floors are not good on your knees. No. Um, and the same for, for venues. Like if you're kneeling on the dance floor for like 25 minutes of toast, that's tough on your knees. So um, I've been there. Yeah. I actually bought a pair of knee pads myself, <laughs> but they're thicker like black ones. And I think they might be for like hockey players or something, but they, they show through my pants too uh, too much so i'm gonna need a, a slimmer rest, pair wrestling knee pads wrestling are the way pads? to go they're right. like thin little knee pads all right i'm gonna google that and put that in the show notes as well <laughs> a decent pair of knee pads um so i think we'll wrap it soon i just would like to hear um perhaps maybe one more horror story if you if you have one at the top <laughs> of your head that you can that you can think of i, I mean i don't want to like i don't want to um fuel the the photo videography <laughs> no, but I think uh, it's dis- fun to dislike i think i think probably Rather than, I mean, I've got horror stories, who hasn't? But um, I think probably the other thing, like other than videographers, like standing in the middle of the aisle, I think the one thing that um, seems to really drive photographers mad and they, again, post in forums and get all irate about it is, um, is say the photographer sets up like a really beautiful portrait. So, you know, the light's great, the posing is great, the interaction is great. And then the day after the wedding, the videographer posts a still of that shot that the photographers set up. And I mean, it's tough because, you know, we all want to be on social media and we want to like get more likes and tag the couple and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think just being aware that, you know, if a photographer sets something up, it's kind of not the ideal thing to do to like post your version of that shot. Cause it kind of, you know, it can upset the photographer and yeah. then, you know, um, and I think just, um, you know, from a social media point of view, like being supportive of each other. So like if I'm working with a new videographer at a wedding and they post on their 
page, you know, I'm heading to whatever venue this weekend, so excited. I'll, I'll post and be like, hey, I'm so excited to work with you. And then if they share a trailer, I'll share it on my Facebook page. If they, you know, post something on Instagram, I'll share that. Like, you know, just being supportive and kind of promoting each other, um, I think can go, can go a long way. And I think the, the ideal, like, um, you know, there's, there's wedding videographers that I've, I've worked with, you know, my, my, like you guys, when I worked with you guys, it was great with long haul who now no longer really do weddings, but, um, Boston wedding films and, and, um, Meg Simone. Like, I think when I work with those kind of people, there's there's almost like a sense of collaboration so um obviously you're communicating which is like the basic like you have to do that stuff but it taking it to the next level makes it really enjoyable so that you're still two separate businesses of course but you'll give each other like a heads up so um i just worked or like i just worked with nora from sp films at a wedding up in vermont and um i'd gone to the rehearsal the night before and found that there was like this balcony that actually belonged to a guest but i managed to talk the guest into giving me the room keys um and so it would have been really easy to like almost keep that a secret and go up there and get yeah. that killer like shot of the mountains and all the snow during the ceremony. But that's, again, that's not thinking of the couple. Yeah. So I was like, hey, Nora, heads up. I've got those room keys. And if you want to put a tripod up there or something, like let's do it. Um, so I think just that sense of collaboration, I think can, can really, uh, really make things work. Yeah, it definitely goes a long way. And the point about the the Facebook post is so important too because you you forget sometimes how hard it can be to get, you know, a good pose or a good natural look out of somebody. I'm posing maybe only, you know, 5% of the day, like if that. So it's definitely a struggle, especially if a couple is not um, camera friendly or they're just uncomfortable or tired or they don't want to be there, you know, taking pictures for another couple minutes for whatever reason. Um, it can be hard to get that natural look. So, um, the pose really is, you know, the work of the photographer. Um, so just guys be, be aware of that. Well, I think that's a good a time as any to end it. Leah, thank you again. Um, it's just, it's always great having, um, a photographer who supports video. Um, I know that I'm always, um, supporting photographers as much as I can just because, it reciprocates, you know, and it's photo and video are, are important in their own ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, during the initial consult, I'll usually say to couples, you know, what do you, what do you think about video? Are you, are you all in? Are you on the fence? Um, and if they're on the fence, I'll do my best to talk them into it. Um, because I think, I think it's sort of fairly well published that it's one of the biggest regrets after the wedding, if you don't do video. Um, and I think if you do, if you do video, and especially if you do good video, then the film, it stands apart from the pictures. It's not just a moving version of the pictures. It's an actual, like it's a story. And there's something so important about seeing people moving and talking and laughing. And, and they're just certain things that you can't capture just the same with still pictures. Um, and I think, I think while photos are very much for the couple, like, you know, you put them on your wall, you give them to your families, you look at your wedding album on your anniversary. I I feel sort of really strongly that video is one of those things that like for future generations is huge. Like my, my grandparents are no longer with us. And if like, if I had a video of like, you know, I've heard all the stories about the wedding and they've got like this one curled up, like browning picture and stuff. But like, if I, if I had, video of their wedding and I could see them like you know walking together or dancing or even like if I could hear them talking that would that would be priceless to me so um I'm a 
you know, I'm a huge fan of video and I think it's, it's doing somewhat of a disservice to the couple if you try and talk them out of it for sort of selfish photography reasons. Very well said. Thank you. And, and on behalf of the whole wedding cinematography community, we are very honored and we thank you for being such a, an advocate and a spokesperson on our behalf. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's it was fun. it was really a pleasure talking with you today. We've I feel like I've learned a lot. I hope everyone else has. Um, if people want to stay in touch with you or find you on the internet, how how should they do that? Um, okay, so my website is leahaydock.com, L-E-A-H-H-A-Y-D-O-C-K. Um, Facebook and Instagram, I'm at leahaydockphotography, um, and leahaydockblog.com. And if anyone has a uh, foodie half, um, <laughs> then I would definitely like to point you towards mainly eating would you like to talk about that that's, really quick? that's my little uh, my little side hobby um i'm i'm when i'm not photographing weddings i'm eating food or i'm cooking or i'm drinking um and so <laughs> we have a house up in maine where we spend a lot of time and so um i have mainly eating m-a-i-n-e-l-y eating.com um did i spell that right Main and then L-Y? I think so. <laughs> I, spelled, uh, I spelled it wrong right here, but that sounds right. So, um, yeah, mainly eating. It's just like my little food blog uh, hobby thing. But, yeah, it's fun. Well, I can tell you firsthand that the recipes are quite delicious. I shall be making another one this week or next week <laughs> when I have the time. But, Leah, thank you again so much. It was really great talking to you. Thank you. That'll conclude it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you again, Leah, of course, for coming on the show. It's very much appreciated. I know I learned a lot. I think the big thing really is communication. Make sure you're reaching out beforehand and you're discussing strategy and plans and parts of day ahead of time so that there's no surprises down the road. For more information on University of Wedding Filmmakers, visit our website, www.universityofweddingfilmmakers.com for blog posts, tips, tutorials, things of that nature. And if anyone has any suggestions for interview subjects for the podcast, please send them over to me at hello at universityofweddingfilmmakers.com and I'll reach out and do my best to get them on the show. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you guys next time.